Hello everybody. Oh, we're out and about a lot this week. And again, we're over in America, or maybe America's over here in the UK. And just uh, introduce John Shiver to you. Dr. John Shiver, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Iris. How are you today? I feel great. I feel good. really great. Good, good. It's good to be back with you again. No, it's good. It's always good to have you. You know, I wish we, we could have you on the program every day. <laughs> the world would be a much better place and they get into the rhythm of listening because they want the next part. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, we have a great love, as you know, for the UK. We've been there to minister 43 times. And, uh, and so that's, that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot of time that we've spent there in your nation. And, uh, but we have a great love for the UK and, and the people there and the church there. And so I can't, I can't get on a plane and come today, but we can, we can come by, by way of technology. So it's good to be back with you again. Well, I don't know about that. You're zooming in, so you've got to land somewhere. <laughs> this is, I have to confess, this is a, this is a lot easier than that all night, eight hour plane ride across the Atlantic. So uh, not so tiring. It, it's a lot. It's a lot easier this way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I was talking to somebody this week um, called Richard Gamble. 16 years ago, John Little gave him a vision to, to build a wall. Now, mm -hmm. it's a prayer wall. And he didn't do anything for the first 10 years. And then six years ago, he decided, it, you know, the Holy Spirit was saying it was time to start. So he started. He just started. He didn't have any money or anything else. And I was one of those, one of the very first people who wrote in at his request to, um, to give a, a prayer testimony on healing. And the, the wall that he they want to build a wall called a prayer wall and each brick will be um an answer to prayer so that's the way it's always stuck in my mind all these years just recently this last year i've been getting emails from the eternal wall and um i managed to get richard on for a quick interview on monday no wednesday and he um it was amazing. This wall, John, I have seen the, arch the architectural drawing of it. The story behind it is quite phenomenal. He'd already met somebody who he again, six months prior to the vision. And then he met them again during the course of the vision, further and further, just a little while ago, really. And he had prophecy in Canada that somebody was going to give him some land. He came back to the UK lady handed him a piece of paper survey map and had circled a plot of land and she said god said you're to have this land mm -hmm. and he thought right i'll accept that you know put the paper down and that was it fine great man of prayer and um the next thing he knows he meets the man that he met six months prior to his vision and the man gave him said, i want to give you some land cut a long story short he gave him a plot of land but it didn't work out. He gave him another plot of land that didn't work out. So Richard said to him, just give me the plot that you think this, this structure can go on. So he said, okay, that one over there. And when they'd got the ordnance survey mass, it was the one this woman had drawn. So they start work on it next month. Now it's a, it's a sort of an, an S shaped, almost very, very long elongated, beautiful design this curved wall but the amazing thing is you can take your phone put it up against one of the bricks and it, the phone will light up or it will light up whatever whichever way and you will be able to watch a video and listen to that testimony wow so, that's great yeah and you know where it's going to be it's where? going to be right central in england just outside birmingham amen and it's going to be two and a half times taller than the the Angel of the North statue that's up that way. Uh huh. That's great. Seen by everybody. That's great. 
That's great. Even God's good, you know, he's, he's got this country marked. He does. People are going to come up to that wall out of curiosity. They're going to be amazed at what they find. Yes. Well, God is good and he, he does not lie. And he has told us to ask of him and he'll show us great and mighty things that we know not. That's right. That's right. And what are you, what are you going to tell us today that we know not? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. Aris, we, uh, we, keep up, we keep up with everyone in the UK, just like we do in America by way of the BBC and, and, and other, other means. But we are living in extraordinary times. Um, times like, I believe, no generation of Christians have ever faced before. Now, let me qualify that. Let me qualify that very clearly in the minds and hearts of your listeners that your nation, my nation, we have all been through world wars. We've been through pandemics. We've been through economic depressions. We've been through great times of upheaval. But what's going on today is different from all of that. And I believe personally, it is my feeling that what is going on today that we see with our eyes is only a shadow of what's going on in the spirit realm. That, that what's happening right now is spiritual more than it is physical. I think a lot of Christians just believe that, that if we can just deal with the physical side of, of what's happening, if we can if we can get the virus under control, if we can get out of the EU, if we can get elections settled in the US, everything's going to be fine. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people make a mistake because I think we have to see this as what it is. And that is, it is more spiritual than it is physical. So, if it is spiritual, where is it coming from? Where, what is the origins of all of this? Is it, is it God? Or is it the devil? Or is it both? And I believe that, you know, I've heard people say, you know, this is just a great attack of the devil. It's just all the devil. It's the devil did this, the devil did that. Well, Aris the devil must be bigger than God. The devil must be more powerful than God. The devil must have the rule of the world and can do the church any way he wants to do it while God stands, God stands sadly frustrated, upset, and weak on the sidelines, unable to do anything about it. Do you believe that? I don't. No, I don't believe it either. I don't believe I don't believe the devil is that powerful. I don't think that Satan can can do all that we see about us except he be allowed by God to do so. You know, it's been said the devil is always nothing more than a a loud mouth barking dog on the end of God's big leash. And God can yank his leash anytime he wants to. And that's the reason your prayer wall is so important, is there's great power in prayer. But I, I think the challenge today and this time together with you is we've really got, we've really got to, to drink a good cup of coffee, um, take a deep breath, look in the mirror, and ask ourselves the question, what is really going on here? And so it's, it's along that line that I, I'd, I'd like us to talk together today. One of, the, one of the scriptures that has been the DNA of our ministry all these many years is Second Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. And we've, we've talked about various aspects of that in other, other times on your program. But 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, God said, when I, when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, 
or I command locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people. Notice what chapter verse 13 says. It's not the devil doing these things. God said, when I shut up the heaven, when I send the the locusts, when I send the pestilence. And so where we are right now is in great global upheaval on many, many, many different fronts. But it's not happening because of, of Satan has suddenly gone on a mad rampage and has decided to do these things against God's knowledge and against God's permission. I believe that God has allowed the things that are happening today to happen, but there's a reason for it. Verse 14 says, if my people, that's the church, that's, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the people that meet in the big building on Sunday mornings and do religious exercises. I'm talking about the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ that loves God, loves the word, loves worship, loves to saturate themselves in the presence of God and in the word of God. And they live lifestyle in the reverential respect and fear of the Lord. And they're looking forward to Jesus coming. That is the church. It is not a group of people that meet in a building with a cross on the roof. That, that, that's just religion, whether it's a mosque or a Hindu temple or whatever, it's just religion. But when we say, if my people, the people of God are the ones that love him and honor him, reverence and respect him. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face. And we've talked about it before. That word face in the original Hebrew is a Hebrew word called panim. And panim is translated the face of God or the presence of God. Now, remember that. There's no difference when we see the face of God and the presence of God. The, they both come from the same identical Hebrew word. And so God is saying, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and will seek my presence and will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You see what, what you're facing in the UK and what I'm, I'm facing in America today and I didn't just come to this conclusion 15 minutes ago before breakfast. I, I've preached this for many, 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 many years in your nation and all across my nation. And that is there is no political solution to the problems that we face. Only another great awakening, another, another great outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be sufficient. You know, the Bible tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He didn't say that, that the Lord would raise up a politician. He would not raise up Boris Johnson or, or raise up Donald Trump or a party or a program. But he said the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And I believe that God is stirring our hearts today to get our eyes off of the, what we see in the natural and get it on the spiritual, that God would come by the Holy Ghost and would raise up a standard, a wall, a great wall that will, hud, that will hold back the tide of evil. It's happening in your nation many times before across history. It's happened in America that God came and moved by his spirit in revival and in awakenings. And I believe that that's where all of this is ultimately headed, is God wants us to meet his requirements that he can do again what he has done in the past. And that is send the Holy Spirit in a great, great deluge that turns this stuff around. So we've got to get to the root and you feel free to jump in any, anywhere here, but 
because I, 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 I'm a preacher. Don't ever forget that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher. But we've got to meet God's requirements. We've, there, there's a recipe for making a pie. And you don't just go in the kitchen and, and if you're going to make an apple pie, you don't come in and, and, and just go to, the, go to the market and gather up an armload of, of any kind of vegetables. You, you get the apples and you get the recipe right. And once you get the recipe right and you put all the ingredients together in the way that the recipe re prescribes, and you do what it says, then you get the pie. And God has given us the recipe for revival. He's given us the recipe to see a great deluge of the Holy Spirit that will literally, will literally, will literally turn our nations around at this point. And until we understand that, until we get the recipe right, this is only going to continue. Now, we are in a time of great spiritual shaking. It is the time of great spiritual shaking. And, and I've been saying this, I cannot believe it is now November. But I've, I've been saying the same thing since February. That's right. That's right. A lot of, a lot of people don't want to listen. But I've been saying the same thing since February. If you go and you look, at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 is prophesying about the last days. Yeah. And it says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. And then the scripture goes on to say, and this is, this is interesting because I think I think we can probably relate to this better in November of 2020 than we could have in February of 2020. Yeah. Verse 2 says, Isaiah 60, verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Mm -hmm. Isaiah prophesies about those that believe, those that love the Lord, arise and shine for light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But in the next scripture, he goes back to, in this lengthy description of darkness. Now, now what, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. Yeah. And the reason that we define darkness the way we define darkness is in the darkness we cannot see. We cannot see. And that's the problem with darkness. You can have 20-20 vision, perfect eyesight, no need of glasses or contacts. You can have 20-20 vision and be stone blind if you do not have light. And so the Bible is contrasting in the last days, the glory coming as great, great light. But at, at the same time, there's deep, deep darkness. And so... If we, and just buckle your seatbelt and hang in here with me, if we compare this scripture with November of 2020 and we consider it in the context of Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it all ties together so well. And we will understand that, that we're living in deep darkness. It is a supernatural darkness that is the fact in the natural realm. I mean, I would have never dreamed. I could have never dreamed that my nation would be where it is today. It is absolute insanity. 
It is insanity. What's going on in your nation? How, how many years ago I was in, I was with you. I believe you were in those meetings, maybe at Whitstable years ago, when you voted to get out of the EU. That's right. And how, many, how many years ago was that? Four? Yeah, it's all of, yes, yeah, four to five. I think it was about four years ago, and, and the people voted, we want out, and here you are still today, still still struggling with this. Here we are two and a half weeks after a presidential election, and it is, it is, it is entirely in upheaval here with all kinds of charges of fraud and computer fraud. And, and, and America is, is in a mess. The UK is in a mess. I believe these are symptoms of that deep darkness that Isaiah prophesied about. And the way out of it is 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14, where God gives us the recipe. If we will humble ourselves as God's people and yield to him, and we will petition him for mercy and grace and help and strength and deliverance. We will cherish his presence. And we will allow God by the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and take out of us the believing church, the believers. Now, Iris, I always love... I always love coming to the UK to be with you on your program. Like I said, it's a lot easier to do it this way than the eight hours all night across the North Atlantic. But we're in a serious place right now, your nation and in mine. And so I'm, I'm just going to get really blunt. Can I, can I just get very, I mean. Yeah, yeah. you just say it the way it's got to be. You know, anyone listening to your program, they're serious. They're, 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 they're serious. That's right. We have to face the fact that God is a holy God and God wants to deal with my heart. He wants to deal with your heart. He wants to deal with the hearts of every person listening to this program. He wants to take out. He wants to remove anything and everything that is, is offensive to him, that limits him, restricts him. I, um, I thought recently of a, of a man that I had met some years ago that had had an extensive background in, in the drug trade. And he had had a uh, some kind of an experience with God. He needed to have a bigger one than what he had, but but he'd had some kind of an encounter with God, and and he wanted to get out of that life, and and he did, and um, had jobs and and this kind of thing, but because he had been in and out of prison many times for drug dealing. He had this lengthy prison record, and that was always a problem for him. Now, there was, a, there was a certain Democrat governor in America that was running for president some years ago, and I won't mention any names, but it was a Democrat governor that wanted to be president. And, and so while he was still governor for a, a hefty campaign contribution, he would, he would sell pardons. You could get pardoned if you had a criminal background for a certain amount of money. He would provide a pardon, which means the record was, was clean. And, and the references to prison and all those would be removed, and it would not affect your future background of applying for jobs, businesses, mortgages, whatever. So anyway, he did it and it was all done. And then he noticed that he got pulled over by the police one day for, for speeding. 
and the police officer got his registration for his car and his license, went back to the police car and looked at the computer and brought the license and, and just handed it back to him. There was no ticket. And so he, he thought, well, that's interesting. And so he liked to drive fast. And it wasn't long. He got pulled over by the police again. Same thing happened. They got his driver's license, ran it through the computer, told him to slow down, but there was no ticket. And then it happened a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. Other people would get tickets, but he never gets a ticket. And so he just decided he could, he could obviously speed, drive however he wanted to, and, and there was no penalty attached to it. And he was right. Because for years and years that followed, he just drove whatever speed he wanted to drive. And every time he got stopped, they'd just give his life. After years of this, he was at a wedding with a, with a state trooper that had retired, and he told him this. And he said, well, let me see your license. And so he gave the state trooper his license. The state trooper looked at it and said, now, I want you to look at this. You see these two little letters on your license? He said, yes. He said, do you know what that means? He said, no. He said, well, I don't either. He said, I don't know what those letters mean either. It's shielded from us. But he said, those two letters on a driver's license means a person is either in the CIA, is a spy, or that person is a diplomat, or that person is pardoned. A spy, we don't want to give speeding tickets to a CIA operative because that places them, there's a record of them having been at that place at that time, and that, that can't be told. Or a, a diplomat has diplomatic immunity. They can't get a ticket for anything because they're a diplomat. But then there's that third thing that they were pardoned, which is like witness protection, where your past has been wiped out, and there's nothing on your record. And he said, police officers cannot give tickets to anyone that has those two letters. And you've, and he said, well, I got a pardon. He said, well, that, he said, I don't know that, but you're telling me that. Well, that's why. Now, Iris, the reason I tell that story in our time together is there's a mindset in the, in the church of the UK and in the American church that we have, we have been taught, we have been taught, and it's a false teaching. It's a false teaching. I believe it's a reference to a teaching that comes right out of 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 4, where the Bible talks about, in the last days, people will fall away from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And then 2 Timothy 4, says essentially the same thing about how Paul told Timothy to preach the word for the day will come. They will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears that will just basically tell people what they want to hear. So there's a doctrine out there today that just basically has influenced the church with a mindset that you can live however you want to live. You can do whatever you want to do. There's no fear of God. There's no reverence of God. Jesus has, Jesus has already died for all your past sins. He has. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus has died for all of our past sins. Aren't you excited about that? I am. Jesus has died for our present sins today that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. His blood makes, his blood on the mercy seat makes intercession for us today. But where this teaching has gone so wrong is in the idea that God has already forgiven your past sins, your present sins, but he's already forgiven your future sins. That is not true. That's a lie. 
right out of the pit of hell. Go look at Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. I don't have time to get into that. But Jesus died for our past sins. He died for our today that we can be forgiven. But if we have this idea that we can just, we can plan to sin next week. If we can put sin on our calendar, that we're going to go do things and live in ways and have habits and practices in our lives that we're already anticipating. And we believe somehow that that's, that's going to be okay. Iris, that is worse than a, the deadliest form of spiritual cancer. That will send people to hell. And, and that's, that's a false, false teaching. Now, and I'm going to come up for air and give you a, I'm giving you a lot right now. And I'll come up for air and you ask questions in just a moment. Here's where I'm trying to get to. Paul told the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter three, Galatians chapter three, verse one. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, foolish Galatians. Now, hold that thought for just a second. Paul begins in Galatians chapter one, verse six, saying, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Now, Paul in, in Galatians chapter one is talking about the Galatian churches have obviously departed from the gospel that he brought to them. And he says, if we, in verse eight, are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we've preached to you, let him be accursed. And verse 9 says, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you've received, let them be accursed. Now, go back over to chapter 3. He continues to talk about this in chapter 2. But look with me at the beginning of chapter 3, where he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And, and then he continues to address this. But Iris, the, the key to understanding this scripture is in verse one, where he says, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now the word for bewitched there the word for bewitched literally means who has put a spell over you. He did not say you've, you've made a mistake. He didn't say you've gotten unbalanced in your understanding of God. He didn't say that you've, you've gotten into false teaching. He said, who has put a spell over you? It's right there in the scripture yep. that you would believe another gospel. And, and in Galatians, he, he, he says, I marvel at how you've departed. Now, here's the punchline. <laughs> After all that, here's the punchline. What's happening all about us in the earth is going to, to be fixed and revival is going to come Amen. when God's people deal with if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. You see, we can make a big mistake about talking about everybody else's sin the sin of this group, the sin of that group, all these other sins, everybody else is committing a sin, but God didn't address this to the Canaanites. 
the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the other ites in Second Chronicles. He addressed it to his people that were called by my name. He said, if you will meet these things, I will forgive your sin. He didn't talk about the sin of the others. He said, I will forgive your sin. And when we simply come and address these issues, I believe people are under a spell. I believe people are, are bewitched. People are walking around in great, great, great darkness in the church. And we do not, we do not want to face the reality of coming to the Lord, giving him our everything, serving him with all of our heart, having a reverential respect for him, reading his word, believing his word, obeying his word. We have this new gospel that you've got this, you've got the, you've got the number on your license and nobody's ever going to give you a ticket. You can do whatever you want to do as a believer. You can do what you can be a Christian and do whatever you want to do. You can live however you want to live. You can, you can have a life that's filled with small sin, hidden sin, quiet sin, rebellion, lawlessness, and yet on the outside look good. God is dealing in your heart, my heart, and the hearts of people that are listening to your program today, because when we do not deal with those issues, the devil will literally come and bewitch us. Yeah. and deceive us. And that is the deep, deep darkness that Isaiah was referring to in Isaiah chapter 60. Now that was a, that was a long breath. I was going to say, but let's talk about it. I mean, let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. It really takes your breath away, doesn't it? When you think about that. It's just like saying to a child, you know, when your daddy comes home, I'm going to tell him what you did. And then you don't, or perhaps you do, and daddy says, oh, God, it's only your mum. Go on. Yeah. You know, and the child goes away and doesn't learn from that error. Probably doesn't even realise they've made an error, but they know they've been a bit mischievous, and so they carry on. I, I, I see a lot of precocious children and I have one in my own downline of family, and I'm thinking, I couldn't tolerate that, you know, because when she grows up, she's gonna have a great big complex of a problem. And, but but that's, that seems to be the natural way that things are built in, John, to, they're just built into everything. It's, yeah. it's rather similar to, to the, the government saying in this day and age with, with the pandemic, you can go out into a restaurant. So many of you can sit at the table. You can sit and laugh and joke, have a, have a beer and sing if you want to, you know, enjoy it. Go into church, you're not allowed to sing. Now, perhaps that might push people to the wrong church, you know, because it's like everything else. You, you've got the government is trying to sort of shut down that society on that element and yet allow something else to happen out in the street that contradicts entirely where we should be going as, as, a, as a country, let alone where we should be going individually. Yes. And I can see that it's going to, it would be a big, big problem. Yes. Well, Iris, I'm so grateful today for the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful, eternally grateful, cannot put words to express the gratitude that I have for the blood of Jesus, for the work that he did for me on the cross, that he bore all of my sins, paid all of the sacrifice, my bill. I don't have any outstanding debt today for my sins because Jesus has paid it all. He's paid yours. He's paid the sin bill for every person who would believe. But by the same token, I am so thankful for that. But out of my gratitude, 
out of my gratitude. I want to respect that. Yes. Now, let me let me say something really radical, but we're living in a radical moment. It breaks my heart to say this, but I have seen every kind of sin that is mentioned in the Bible uh -huh. in the churches. Now, I've been a pastor for many, many years. We've been traveling full-time for 26 and a half years across America, 28 countries, five continents. But it is with great sorrow. It is with great sorrow and great grief that we have seen literally, and without getting into specifics, but we have seen literally every sin that is described as an abomination and as offense to God in the Bible, I have personally encountered that in people in churches in the UK and in America and in every, everything. I mean, you say, well, what's John talking about? Go get your Bible and study your Bible and say, John saw that. John had that. John ran into that. Yep, I bet John had, had that too. Everything, nothing. I, 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 don't, I can't name one that is referred to in the Bible as horrible, gross, demonic as you can imagine. We've seen it in the church. We've seen it in churches. And so God is seeing all this too. And it's, it's lawlessness. It's the lawlessness of, of the hyper grace teaching that you can, you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, take hyper grace one step further and, and you're in the realm of, of universalism. There is no hell to worry about. Hell was created by religious people to control people. And God is always good and everybody's already saved. They just don't know it yet. That, that's like the guy with the driver's license with the two letters on it. That means I'm pardoned. I can do whatever I want to do with no consequence. And that is a seduction. That is a bewitchment that has produced the deep darkness in the earth. And we've got to address it as, as the church. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to deal with it in my life. You have to deal. Your listeners to this program have to, we've got to get on our knees and, 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 and tell and quit telling God everything we want him to do and ask him to tell us what he needs us to do. Yeah. Or this is not going away. This, I mean, the virus will, I mean, there's, there's treatment, there's medicine, there's vaccinations, there's all kinds of things that will one day control this, just like it controls smallpox and, and all of these other diseases that once killed tens of millions of people in the past. This, but, but the shaking is, is, is not leaving. The darkness is not going to go until we, as God's people, get real with him and honest with him and allow him to do it by his spirit. That's right. That's right. Mm. I think a lot, of, a lot of Christians think, because their, their country is a Christian country, uh, and they're basically Christian people, their values i think they think that they're just safe from from all of the other things but this is this pandemic has actually opened this up for every single human being that is alive today it's put us all in exactly the same boat yeah and, and that is the, that is the dangerous thing good or bad we're in it and we're in it together and we really we really there is no other way out if the ship is sinking we just got to call out to God. Yes. Yes. But I believe with all my heart, God wants to send another great awakening to the UK. He wants to, to pour out his spirit. I mean, London, London in the 1700s 
was Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, every every third house in London was was a drinking establishment in the 1700s. There were places that the police wouldn't even go in the city. The crime was so bad. If you went there and you got murdered, it was your fault. You should have never gone there. The 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 depravity, the immorality, the drunkenness. And yet it was into that environment that God moved in the first great awakening and turned your nation upside down. That's right. That's very true. Read about the Welsh revival in Wales, October the 31st, 1904, Mariah Chapel, just outside of Swansea, Wales. And God touched the whole earth out of that prayer meeting with Evan Roberts and 17 teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Turned everything upside down by his glory. He wants to do it again. Yeah. But there's a recipe, like making an apple pie. There is a recipe. And you can repeat it every day. You can take the same recipe on Monday, make an apple pie. Tuesday, make an apple pie. Wednesday, make an apple pie. You can make a thousand apple pies and sell them to other people. They all taste the same if you use the same recipe. God's recipe for the UK and for America today. God's recipe. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my glory, my presence, and get down before me and do business with me and change, turn, forsake, let go. Let go of their wicked ways. You see, God is, God is tired of, of, of people having a word from the Lord Every 15 minutes, the Lord said this, the Lord said that, the Lord, I prophesy this, I prophesy that. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the prophetic anointing. I believe in the office, fivefold ministry of prophets. But that is not a license for stealing God's identity, which is what it is. It's like identity theft that gives us a license to go around and say, well, the Lord said this, the Lord said that, the Lord said this, the Lord said that. We need to go back to the book of Jeremiah and see what God had to say about people that used his name in vain as imposters. And we need to treat, we need to treat the word of the Lord. We need to treat prophecy as a holy thing yeah. that we are literally bringing the spoken word of God, but it needs to be based in the written word of God. I'm preaching this morning, but I'm deeply stirred for your nation and for mine. We're in trouble. Yeah, we are. We are. We're just taking God for granted. Well, God's the only way out of this mess. Yeah. But let me share this with you as well. And, and okay. I, this surprised me, but it opened up so much John in my heart as well on, on where Christians are or where they think they are because of the election um, Sid Ross I just I heard that I just happened to put something on and Sid Ross was on and I thought golly after Biden was pronounced president a couple of weeks ago at that point Christians were, were contacting Sid Ross they were in fear, John. Oh my God, what, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? This is going to happen. That's going to happen. They were really scared. They were great yeah. when they thought Donald Trump was going to definitely get in. He might yeah. still. But on the other hand, the fear that is in them was the only thing that came out. Yes. When they thought that that had failed. Yes. And I thought, where is God in your life? Yes. Where is the word? Yes. Well, 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 Trump's not going to save us. Revival will save us. And I think that's one of the things that this is exposed is a lot of people. A lot of people. Let, let me give you a prime example. Let me let me just give you a prime example. I'm not mentioning any names, but I know of, of one 
fairly prominent pastor in America and probably not worldwide, but name recognition in America that, that said back in the spring, the Lord had visited him, told him that this COVID thing, this, this virus, that, that this was, this was God sending this to shake America over the sin of abortion and gay marriage that that's what's behind this. And it's because America has aborted 62 million babies and we have legalized gay marriage. And so that's the reason for this. Okay. And so the Lord had come to him and spoken to him. That's, that's the cause of this. And that's what we've got to pray. Well, it was only a matter of two or three weeks later. It came out that he was involved in immorality with multiple women. And I believe God exposed that because it's always easier, see, to, to blame it on abortion, blame it on this, blame it on that, blame it on all this. And never, we're so blinded. We don't see the sin in our own lives that God is the one that sees the sin. And, and so there we are. And I think it's just, it's just time we've got to get real and search our hearts. Don't, don't you think that sin is covered with a lie? Yes. It is, isn't it? And you're, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Do you cover that up? Because yeah. obviously he had a guilty conscience and yeah. God was talking to him. Yeah. But blame it on something else. But then when it's not dealt with, God exposes it. So, yeah, Iris, I'm not very, I'm not very popular. I, I'm not very popular. Um, not a lot of people want to hear this, and and I, I love everybody, but what I would say to people that get offended or people get upset or people call me controversial, bring your Bible and show me where I'm wrong. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I had to smile. That's the challenge that. I give to anybody is I want to be teachable. I want to be open. I, I want to be accountable. Yeah. But bring your Bible and let's sit down together on Zoom across the Atlantic and and show me where from the. I mean, don't don't bring me the quotation from prophet so-and-so or prophetess so-and-so or the prophetic word that came at the conference or take some scripture out of, out of bring me a full Bible that's got everything in it from Genesis to Revelation and show me where I'm wrong. So, and, you know, a lot of people think I'm controversial, but, you know, they don't want to hear this kind of a message. But well, you, are, you are in a way because you tell the truth and the truth <laughs> you know, I mean, we can readjust. Well, we we can we can get up a big meeting and get a a big round of applause and a bunch of people clapping and going Amen, 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 Amen. When we talk about the sin of the nation and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that, but you don't get a lot of Amens when you say we need to get up, have a good long look in the mirror and pray in tongues and humble ourselves beneath the mighty hand of God and say, God, search my heart That's and right. know my ways and see if there's a wicked way in me because he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of goodness and kindness and loving kindness. He's not angry. He's not mean. He's we're not living in the wrath of God, but, That's right. but, but God wants this. He wants this junk out of his church. Yeah, absolutely. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> and we've been bewitched and blinded and cannot see. But, that but is the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. He will help us. That's right. But isn't it the same when you get so much your own, not, not your own way, but let's say it's answered prayer and you get that free license and your confidence gets so high. And you just start to take everything for granted. 
Uh, isn't that just what you were saying really about those two letters on the end of your license? You get to a yeah. point where, where you, you don't really appreciate it anymore because mm. you've got it. And therefore you don't seem to have to strive and put in all that energy and heartbreak to achieve it. And then God suddenly delivers you from it. And so you're working on a different plane. It's, yeah. it's basically the same, isn't it? Well, they people, it's like if you imagine the the M25 or one of the other M's, I don't remember the M's, all of the M's and around London, but you have lots of motorway numbers in your nation and out there on those motorways are signs that say what the speed limits are. But the only reason people abide by those signs is they believe if I don't believe that sign and I violate it, there's going to be a consequence. Yeah. But if we ever get the idea that they can put up signs, but no one ever gets a correction, everything out there is going 120 kilometers an hour and, and wrecks are everywhere. And if there's no penalty, if there's no consequence for disobedience. And so the recipe will work. The apple pie recipe for revival will work. In your nation, it will work in mine. Right. But it's not going to work as long as we continue to ignore the truth. That's very true. It's very true. And, uh, and, and even using that, you know, the motorway as an example, when people sit on your tail, you don't even think about speeding. You think, oh, golly, look out of the way about lorry. Somebody pulls in front of you, so you pull out and it takes a bit of acceleration. Or you're just cruising along. You look down at the speed. Oh, my God, I'm doing 100 miles an hour. Sometimes it is, it's the mind just switches off and it's not even focused in the beginning on the law before you sit down and drive. Now I've got to go 60 mile an hour. I've got to look left. I've got to look right. I've got to do this, that and the other. And we don't condition ourselves before we get behind the wheel of the car. Because I, I don't do it on purpose, but I do do it. I do speed mm -hmm. without thinking about it. That's in the natural sense. And okay. as you were saying, if you don't take the instruction beforehand and remind and sit down and think about it, which is like praying to God for everything that you do, then you're going to make those errors. Well, Iris, let me, let me show you my driver's license. This is my Florida driver's license. Oh, wow. Look at that. And I don't, I don't know if you can see it on there, but on my driver's license, it says safe driver. Where, where does it say that? I can see it's, I'm a little, it's a little red. Oh, down. Right. Up a bit. The, can you see the little red letters there? Yep, got it, got it. All right. Oh, that's My driver's cool. license has safe driver on it. I didn't ask for that. But then the computer systems in the state of Florida, they know I have not had speeding tickets in decades. In the absence of speeding tickets, they put that on there. So if I get pulled over, a highway patrolman will look at my license, say, he's a good guy. He doesn't do this all the time. He's a safe driver. Maybe I'll get a warning instead of a ticket. Yeah. But we've got this idea in the, in the UK church and in the American church that we've got a driver's license that says, don't give him a ticket. Just let him do whatever he wants yeah. to do. Yeah, I agree. There's no penalty attached to that. And that's the reason that we're in the mess we're in today. And we're not getting out of it until we follow God's recipe. That's right. That's right. You know, it's a really sad fact. But, you know, I, I look, now that we've moved, my kitchen now faces, I can see everything that goes up and down the road. Uh -huh. So many people, and I see them all young people, young girls. I'm thinking, oh, uh, is, is she that baby's big sister? Uh -huh. you know? And this is they, they're just having children walking along the road with their friends, 
maybe two other friends without children. And I'm thinking, are any school kids? You know, and, and you're looking at situations like that that come into play because they know also that they can just go and get all these benefits. That's another reason. So what you're saying also affects the way, what affects society is the way that the government affects society by the rules and regulations that they make for specific reasons, and yet would give you a speeding ticket for making an error. Yeah. So, but Iris, I come back and I say the government and the nation is always a reflection of the church. Yes, I think you're right. And when the preachers of the UK get on their knees, get on their face before God, cry out, petition God, saturate their lives in the word of God, and come to the pulpits of your nation and my nation on Sunday morning with a fresh word from the throne of God, from the word of God that is truth, and begin preaching the gospel like Paul preached to the Galatians originally, and then came back and said, who bewitched you? that you've, you've gotten into this craziness, when the, when the preachers start preaching again and living again and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the anointing of God and in the fire of God, that fire will go out of the pulpits, to the pews, to the chairs, to the benches, to the people, and those people will carry it to the streets. Yeah. And when revival begins to touch hearts, the government, the corrupt government will get voted out and righteous men and righteous women that have a fear of the Lord will be put in. That's right. And the nation will reflect the church. We want to blame it on the government. It's not the government. It's what's going on in the pulpits of my nation and your nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Because, the, the, yeah, the... the, the people of both our countries have got to get it from somewhere and that's the only way they ought to be able to rely on getting the right word is in the church yeah. and it's not preached in the church no, it isn't <laughs> and the reason it's not preached is preachers want to please the people exactly because if you don't please them they won't come back and bring their money next week exactly and we need men of God and women of God that'll just have a backbone and stand up and say, I work for Jesus. Jesus prays my salary and he's going to take care of me and I'm going to be faithful to him and do what God's called me to do. And if, if you like it, wonderful. If you don't like it, that's wonderful too. I'm going to be faithful to God and love him first because it's he that called me, not you. And when we start preaching that kind of gospel with grace and mercy and love and hope, not religion and anger, but we just start preaching the word like Paul did That's right. in Galatians, people will change. And when people change, the government changes. Yeah, yeah, that's no, very true. You know, I, I was looking, obviously, we're all at home and we're taking in online, our church is in online. But we have, we have a a church that we go to two churches we go to one for the word and what they teach and we go to the other one because they had fantastic worship and earlier not this year but last year um the whole worship team in ours left our church totally lost it and from then on they, it, it has not been the same but what i noticed this year is the number of churches are counting the heads of how many people are joining them. Their online church has exploded. It says two things, but we're not there to be entertained. No. You, you know, we're not kids that have to be pulled, you know, cuddled along because we're too small to, to take in highfalutin words and things. You know, and, and I think... I mean, people are expanding by the thousands with their online churches. And, and it's scary to see that the church is not, most of the churches are not responding, but there are those that are geared up to it. 
Yes. That's all part of the shaking. This shaking that we're on, under is God is going to shake everything that can be shaken, that what is eternal will remain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. There was a, a um, cartoon that came around and it said the devil was speaking to Jesus and he was saying, with COVID-19, I took, I closed all your churches. And Jesus said, oh, no, you didn't. He said, I put one in every home. <laughs> bigger now than ever before yeah and i think that's where the church is yes the church is yes especially in this day we, we've we've had a lot of god's presence you know we haven't watched television four or five months you haven't missed a thing and not missed a thing it means you've got to talk to each other which is sometimes difficult <laughs> i'm all right <laughs> But, you know, it's, um, yeah, you're right. We haven't missed anything at all. And then they sent me, because I'm the oldest person in our house, so they sent me a letter to say I've now got to pay a television licence. I worked all my working life, paid my taxes in this country. One of the parts of your pension is when you got to 75, you didn't pay a television licence. So I haven't had it not paid for very long, about five years, and now they want us to pay. And I think it's about 157, 158 a year. So I haven't even bothered to answer the letter. I was just trying to think, should I pen them a letter and tell them why I'm not doing it or just leave it for them to find out? Yeah, I don't think, no, no. Well, you can get everything you need online. Yes, you can. But they're very cleverly worded, their little booklet, to read whatever you use. Uh -huh. So it sounds like they're intending to uh, tax hmm. the online use. I know, yeah. I know. But I for know. the meantime, you know, at least we can play our own DVDs on our own computers. Yes. And I'd rather do that than watch all the repeats that are out there on BBC or anywhere else. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> we will enjoy. <laughs> yes. Oh, do you know, John, our time has gone again. Look at that. You never well, know. I hope you have a very, very happy birthday this Sunday. You are a blessing to all of us that all of your listeners, your program, you're a blessing to everybody and we love you. We bless you. If you're listening to this program, wish Iris a happy birthday this Sunday because she is a blessing and a gift. Oh, amen. Amen. It's not going to stop me and Jeff celebrating my 80th. We've waited a long time for this one and we're going to enjoy it. We're going out to dinner with friends. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. That's great. Well, it's wonderful being with you again, Iris. And, and Lord, we just pray that you would have your way in all of our hearts and all of our lives. God, deal with us. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. But we yield to you. Amen. We yield everything we have to you, Jesus. We love you so much. Speak to us. Put in what needs to be put in. Take out what needs to go out but we believe for another great awakening in the UK and in America, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, we've got to say bye-bye to all our listeners, but we will be back. That is the promise. Bye-bye now. <laughs>